<clears throat> hey everyone, my name's Kieran and welcome again to... Hey everyone, my name's Kieran, and welcome to this episode of the One Up Cast. Where this week I'm not joined by Mr. Daniel Ferry, but instead I'm taking this one solo. Uh, it seems that uh, this week is the Black Friday week, the big sales, like pretty much kicking off the Christmas period. And uh, yeah, Daniel is extremely, extremely busy. Uh, I was uh, busy as well this week, so this is being recorded a slight bit later. Than our normal time. However, we still have uh, a few bits to go over, so we're gonna. I'm gonna take this time to just kick back, relax, give myself a wee bit of break from the Black Friday craziness before I finish up and get straight back to it. But so, what we're gonna be talking about this week is we're gonna be talking about Uncharted 4 losing its multiplayer in the remasters remakes, the Golden Joystick Awards Best Game of All Time, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 being remembered as a good game, as well as uh, a rather strange non-semi-gaming related question. Anyways. Before we move on to our first topic, I'd like to remind everyone that we make this podcast every week and we also do Q&As at the end and if you like it, you can hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform that you're on. If you want to drop us a message, if you want to appear on the podcast uh, as a little voice message, you can do so through the Anchor app. You can do it by downloading the app on your phone or you can go to anchor.fm slash oneupcast and click on the little message button. You can record a little voice message and uh, that'll come straight through to us. We can answer your question. We can talk about your topic, whatever you want to do. If you're a fan of more traditional-based text-based messaging, you can send us a message uh, on Twitter. You can contact me at HarryAtomicYT. You can contact Daniel on Twitter at Ferryman5000. Or you can get in contact with our show's Twitter, which is at oneup underscore cast. That's O-N-E-U-P underscore cast. Anyways, let's move on to the first of our quick-fire topics uh, this week. Uh, the first one is a story that I came across that seemed, uh, seemed a little bit odd. Uh, and it's that uh, apparently uh, there are some reports that Uncharted 4 is going to be losing its multiplayer in its upcoming remakes, remasters. There's apparently a re-version of this game coming out. Uh, and it seems that uh, early ESRB ratings for the game mentions no interactive elements. Now, the, the way the ESRB works, uh, is, or as far as I know, is that they rate the game and they rate the online interaction separately. So that uh, if you're selling the game that has, like, say... A younger rating but there's online elements where they might be talking to other people so it might warrant a higher rating it kind of keeps them separately so that uh you know your game's not getting rated in 18 whenever it's like a kid-friendly game or something or you know you can just turn off the online features and have it be a younger friendly game or whatever but uh one of the the things that they call like online interactions with the esrb is interactive elements and uh it, the esrb so far mentioned that this game has no interactive elements so it looks like Uncharted 4 might be losing its multiplayer. Uh, now, the thing is, uh, the reason why that I wanted to bring this up was more because I wanted to get some feedback from people uh, and see who exactly played the Uncharted 4 multiplayer. Uh, again, one of the reasons why that I home done so much on this uh, is because I only recently finished Uncharted 4. Uh, I had a PS5 for all of about a week. Uh, I played Uncharted 4 on it because I always wanted to play Uncharted 4 because I didn't have any other PS5 games. Uh, and then I downloaded the update for... Because uh, uh, the only reason I got it was because I wanted to play the DLC for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the DLC came out. Brilliant. Downloaded it. Played it. Uh, and then just sold it because eh, it wasn't really for me. But anyways, uh, that that was my first time playing Uncharted 4, which is pretty recently. And I didn't touch the multiplayer at all. Uh, the last Uncharted... In fact, the only Uncharted multiplayer I played was Uncharted 3. 
And it just felt like more gameplay. But for me, Uncharted was a mixture of the gameplay and the story. So whenever it was just the gameplay, it didn't really do much for me. And so I'm wondering whether or not that removing the multiplayer in Uncharted 4 is because maybe not very many people played it, so there's no point in putting that much time into it. Or if there is just some reason why that they decided that, like, yeah, we wanted to, but didn't because of, I don't know, time reasons, time constraints, server allocation or whatever. Maybe they are using their servers for other things. Uh, but it seems that, yeah, it looks like that there are going to be no... Uncharted 4 multiplayer if the ESRB ratings are to be believed. But anyways, that was a nice little short icebreaker topic. The next topic that we have here is uh, the Golden Joystick Awards uh, were recently, and whilst there were lots of uh, lots of, lots of winners announced, and that we're still waiting on the main video game award so that me and Daniel can find out who uh, who owes each other uh, more, uh, more sweeties and more things like that, because I think I already owe him some ice cream. Uh, so I'm hoping to win some sweets back off him. But uh, the Golden Joystick Award, uh, they, they named the best game of all time all time, to be Dark Souls. Now, I have to admit, I have played very little Dark Souls. Uh, it unfortunately did not appeal to me too much, but not because of the setting. Uh, the setting itself seems like something that would be right up my street. But I thought that it would be really fun to try and have some kind of com- or get some conversation going and get everyone's kind of opinions on Dark Souls uh, in terms of its difficulty. Now... Uh, the way that Dark Souls presented itself to me whenever I was playing it was that it felt like the game was extremely difficult, but not in a way that... It's kind of it's kind of hard to explain. But it felt really difficult, but not in a way that, you know, was super fun to overcome. And I did beat a few of the bosses, and I was like, yeah, this feels great. But then instead of feeling, like, super powerful, like, oh, yes, I can take on new challenges... It just kind of felt like whenever I got to the next boss, I was like, man, like I gotta, I gotta do it again. You know what I mean? I gotta grind this out again. And it felt like, so how how can I put this? Whenever, whenever I'm playing games, one of the things that I really like, I, I, and I talk about this to death. Anyone that's talked to me about games is going to be so sick of me talking about this, but it's called the joy of discovery. The idea that whenever you, that you're presented with something that you don't understand, if it's a puzzle or a boss or a skill challenge or something, but you're presented with something that you are either, you're, that you're either not currently, uh, you know, good enough to complete. Maybe you just, you know, haven't learned the patterns yet or that you're not quite, you know, you're not quite fully, uh, at the level of solving it yet, like a puzzle game or something, maybe it's a harder puzzle, you're not there. But the joy of discovery is that moment when it clicks. And at that point, I think you should kind of be able to progress relatively quickly. So if I'm looking at a puzzle and I'm like, man, I can't solve this. I don't understand what's going on. I'm not quite there yet. And then the, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. You should be able to just go and like finish it. Do you know what I mean? Or if, I, if I'm playing a skill-based challenge where I'm trying to work out a pattern and I get the pattern right and I'm like yes now I understand this boss pattern I should be able to like exploit that pattern like instantly to, to get ahead essentially what I'm trying to say is that I really like games that where that joy of discovery is instantly rewarded however it felt like for me with Dark Souls that that wasn't the case it felt like whenever I was playing against any of the bosses maybe maybe the game changes later on as you get more gear and things like that but the first few bosses whenever I played it and I felt like, oh yes, I've worked out this pattern now. It still felt like the boss fight was really grueling, but not in a rewarding way. Like it didn't feel like I was just able to go, yes, I know what you're doing now, and I can like parry, you know, the attack when I see the 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 tail or the Q or something. 
and then win. Uh, and you know, I don't know. That is, for me, that doesn't really that doesn't really fit. However, if it's named the best game of all time by Golden Joysticks, then there must be something that I'm missing. But one of the main dis- discussions around Dark Souls that I think is a really good dis- discussion point is the idea of game difficulty. Uh, I've seen a lot of people on uh, on Reddit over the years complain about because uh, one thing you always see is mods being released. I used to follow like a PC modern uh like subreddits back whenever i would do uh like daily game videos for youtube uh one of the things that always used to do really well were uh unusual mods for popular games so if there was a game that like a lot of people knew but there was a mod that kind of changed it a little bit or like added some content that was kind of unexpected those type of things tended to do really well and so i was like okay right i'll I'll follow the subreddit and it'll kind of keep me like aloof as to what's going on however uh one of the things that always used to pop up was a dark souls difficulty mods for pc where it was like yeah here you go this is like it adds like an easy mode and that was like an instant way of having like you know the top of the sort of by controversial it was always the most controversial posts on reddit because as soon as someone would post a difficulty mod it would be like dark souls does not need a difficulty option and it's like okay right let's break down that argument and see uh what 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 people's aversion is to the uh you know to the to the whole difficulty thing with dark souls and i think that uh, right now let's break it down first and then i'll go into like personally what i think about it so one of the things that uh one of the main arguments here against a difficulty setting is that designers when they design a game design it with a certain difficulty in mind and therefore you're playing what the designer of the game wants and ultimately this is like a spoiler to the end of my sort of rant here on dark souls is that if it's what the designer wants It's what's going to happen. If we think it's a good idea or a bad idea, it doesn't matter. The game designer is ultimately the the people, or the game designers are ultimately the people who are going to get the final decision. So if they say that Dark Souls shouldn't have an easy mode, then it shouldn't have an easy mode. And that's case closed in in a certain way. However, the argument is whether or not Dark Souls would benefit from an easy mode. And I think it would, personally. Uh, The other other side of the coin, the, the main argument that you see for an easy mode in Dark Souls is that not everybody has, you know, a, a really, uh, like, a lot of time to sink in because, unfortunately, these things take a lot of time. And nowadays, I have very little time to sink in the, the video games. Uh, if a game comes out, I may entirely miss that game for months before I get around to it uh, because I just don't have the time. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people are currently in that position. So if I play a game and it takes me you know three hours to beat a boss like say an old rpg or something like classic rpg where like boss fights were like an hour like that's not something that i can reliably sink my teeth into that's like i need i need things to be a wee bit or not i need because there will be times when i'll play games that involve more time commitments but i tend to gravitate now towards games that have less of a, a hard time commitment and so because of that I think that easy modes kind of lend themselves to, you know, people that maybe, like, let's say it was Dark Souls, however, you know, the bosses had less health so that whenever I figured out, like, the weak spot or something, and I hit the weak spot, then they'll die in, like, three hits or something. Like, that's cool. Like, I'm happy enough with that. Like, that's something I could get behind because then I could, you know, go through the game in a more bite-sized manner. And that then tailors the game to an experience that, uh, you know it doesn't have before or uh, an audience that it might not have had before because I know some people are completely put off by games that uh, will take way too much time or have too much of a 
you know, too much of a, well, basically, yeah, too much of a time investment um, rather than a skill ceiling. Um, the other thing being is that, if, you know, skill ceilings are kind of hard to hit whenever you haven't got a lot of time to put on it, but that's that's probably a whole other conversation. But um, there, it did seem like any time that an easy mode came up, people got really bugged and people were like, no, don't be doing that to my Dark Souls. Um, but... On on the on the topic of uh, on the topic of difficulty in games, one company that is really good at making its games accessible for different skill levels is Nintendo. Um, because ultimately, let's before before we before I give examples, let's just that because all these get garnered controversy as well. Uh, in fact, no, uh, we'll, we'll go to so the Star Fox Star Fox uh, had. The mode or Star Fox Zero wasn't it for the Wii U had this mode where it was like yeah you like can't die something you could just play a game just can't die and then Mario 3D World I think whenever you die so many times like a little like leaf would fall down like a special leaf and you got it and you would get like infinite health or something and like infinite flight or whatever whatever it is whatever the special thing is in that game whatever special meters there are they're always full never depleting and then Mario Kart 8 had that little antenna on the back of your cart that would like auto steer. And whenever, so I, I I know I talk about it all the time and it wouldn't be a one-up cast without me mentioning playing Flesh and Blood. But every week I go down to a local game store and play Flesh and Blood. But what, what they have on there uh, is they have uh, a projector sort of screen on the wall with a PlayStation 4 running through it. And there's a screen with a Switch as well. So I see a lot of people playing the Switch uh sitting there it tends to be uh or like earlier in the day you'll see like some kids on with their parents or whatever and they'll all be sitting having like parents will be having a coffee kids will be playing switch or whatever and all the time kids are having the absolute best time of their lives loving life and they have the little antenna turned on a mario kart and it's auto steering them through the level and they are loving it they're just thinking that this is great they're like turning the joy cons whenever they're playing and they're steering and they're using motion controls and they're finishing seventh but they're just loving life and ultimately, isn't that really what it's all about? If this, if that difficulty setting wasn't there, then this, this, these experiences wouldn't be possible. So I think that whenever you look at it like that, uh, it's fine. Now, a lot of people as well, one of the, uh, again, just sort of reacting to a lot of the arguments I saw whenever I was doing a little bit of pre-research for this topic before we, or before I hit record, uh, was that a lot of the, a lot of the arguments as well against um, lower difficulty modes in the Nintendo games were that these were uh, non-optional or enabled by default or they were, you know, present in the game and so they somehow invalidate the achievements of people who maybe beat the game in the hardest difficulty or got like, you know, first place in all the cups in 200cc or whatever it would be. And ultimately, I mean, that, uh, you know, you can just turn it off. It doesn't matter. I played Mario 3D World and I didn't get that little, that, that little leaf thing uh, I looked, I think I got it like the first time and I was like, what's this? And then I realized what it was and then just didn't really use it again because I was like, no, it's not really for me because I feel like I can beat the level and I don't really need it. I can just run past it. It's okay. So it's not really something like, I mean, if I died like three or four times and it said, hey, you should, you know, you should, you should use this. And then it like makes you take it. Like then I would be bugged. I'd be like, okay, so now I just feel like I've been, you know, I only get so many goes and, and it's kind of cheapened. Like any progress I'll make after that, but you don't got it. You don't have to take them. Same way if there's an easy mode in Dark Souls, you don't have to play it on easy. The other one of the arguments against a higher difficulty mode or like different easier difficulty modes in games and things is back to what I said at the start about some designers don't like, uh, or some designers have like a difficulty curve in mind whenever they make a game, and it's really 
it some games aren't as easy as just making your character stronger take less damage and enemies have less health some games might be a little more nuanced in how they actually like have their difficulty curves implemented like how would you implement difficulty in a puzzle game for example like if there was a game like uh the witness or something like that that had these like really intricate line puzzles that involved a lot of research and involved you know having to look at them in like you know abstract ways to try and figure out the solution like how would you make an easy mode in that game so really then you're talking about whether or not games are uh whether or not you know you should how handholdy you really want to get because ultimately uh video games have this one advantage this is another one of these things i'm kind of using this this episode as a, an excuse to kind of get out all my like one-off tropes that i always say because like no one is going to be like ah you always say that because now i'll get to say it on on recording but um one of the things that i always mention is that uh games the art form of making games uh has a unique element that all other art forms have and uh if games try to be something that they're not then they'll only be second best. It's kind of like the way they say that you should never imitate other people. You should always just be yourself because if you imitate someone else, you'll always be a secondary copy of someone else rather than, you know, the best version of you or whatever. That sort of platitude. The same thing applies. It's like if video games try to be uh, try to be movies, then they'll never be as good as movies because movies are movies and movies have it, you know, they have their unique way of delivering content. They deliver linear story uh, with... Uh, presentations that they can you know present to the audience and you know they'll that'll do that better than anybody that'll do a linear experience better than anybody could ever do a linear experience and uh, movies have pacing that other mediums can't have uh, movies are movies and movies are great and uh, if you wanted to make an experience that was about abstract like emotional ideas or abstract you know uh, kind of concepts uh, you could probably use music for that that would be better than than movies or games or books if you wanted to you know follow someone's journey and have like a real like insight on someone's thoughts like a character's thoughts and feelings and whatever else then a book is probably best because you know a book does that better than other mediums as well as you know millions of other things but video games have interactivity and skill ceilings and it is one of the few mediums of content delivery out there that is skill prohibitive so the idea being is that you can't buy a book and then, maybe there are books how to do this, who knows. But there are no books in the standard like definition of a book that you have to finish chapter one before you move on to chapter two. And at the end of chapter one, you have to like take a quiz to see if you understood everything and get all the answers right. And then if, if you did only then can you read chapter two, it wouldn't work. Or there's no movie that, you know, has, you know, a long drawn out 20 minute boss fight at the end of act one before you move into act two and then you as the audience have to like you know perform a, a skill challenge before you get to move on so video games is one of the only restrictive forms of content delivery however it means then that your content will risk not even being delivered should your player not meet that that skill requirement uh be it a physical twitch based skill yeah or be it a a, a longer drawn out puzzle based skill either way if if your if your user doesn't meet that requirement, then you know they don't get the rest of the content. They don't get to finish the game. They don't get to see the end of the 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 narrative. They don't get to move on to the next puzzle. Uh, and so because of that, that that means that uh, I think that that can in itself create an argument for a lower difficulty, if only to serve the content 
delivery portion of video games, if that makes sense. So if I make a game and I feel that I've made a game that is particularly grueling and quite unforgiving, and I think that that's the the draw of the game, kind of like Dark Souls would be, um, my fear would be that some players might not have the time nor the ability, uh, be that through uh, skill or otherwise, may not have the ability to actually finish this game. And so then you got to ask yourself, is that okay? So they've paid money for the game. Maybe they have some reason why that they can't achieve the skill requirement. Uh, should that be a consumer reason why there should be a lower difficulty in video games? Uh, so again, these are all these are all food for thought. And whenever it comes to the whole idea of like, you know, games with only one difficulty set and should have a lower one and whatever. But I thought, yeah, that Golden Joystick given Dark Souls the best game of all time. I personally think that there are better games. Uh, I think that historically there are some games that might have a better shout. Uh, like, you know, the original Mario Brothers might probably have a better shout at that. Maybe the original Zelda in terms of adventure. Uh, what, what other ones? I mean, I would say Sonic the Hedgehog, but it's just, it's, I suppose there's other better games out there than Sonic. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pac-Man, Space Invaders, like some of the, but then these are all historical things. And just because it's old and stood around, stood the test of time doesn't mean it's good. Because there are some really old games that do suffer from nostalgia vision, where whenever you play them, they're just not that good now. So, I mean, yeah, I suppose Dark Souls could be in that conversation for some people. Um, wouldn't be my pick. However, I assume enough people did pick it for it to win the best game of all time by Golden Joystick Awards. I wonder if that's a... Is that a thing they do every year? I'm not sure. I actually forgot to research that, whether or not they do that every year. If that's just this year, they felt like, I've seen enough. We're going to do it. We're going to give the best game of all time to Dark Souls. But who knows? Anyways, we'll move on to the uh, to the third and final of our quick fire topics for this week. And it's, and I'm I'm going to butcher this. I, I actually tried to look up the pronunciation of this and I messed it up because uh, the internet gave me like two different pronunciations. So if I get it wrong, it's not on purpose. I, I want to be nice. But uh, apparently CD Projekt president Adam Kaczynski, I hope that's right, has said that Cyberpunk 2077 will eventually be seen as very good due to brand awareness and expect it to sell for years. Now, my experience with Cyberpunk 2077 is uh, limited and unconventional, I'll say. Uh, it's one of the few games I was excited for, but not to play it. So, Cyberpunk, uh, for anyone that's not fully up to date on the cyberpunk thing it was super hyped everyone loved it at one stage you could spend over a thousand pounds on cyberpunk's 2077 merchandise before the game even released uh there were fan communities made of it there were there, i think it even won awards before it even came out and it came out and it was a bug riddled mess uh it they they started promising refunds for people and then sony pulled it from the store uh I, the refunds for steam were out the ass i think it was on steam wasn't it or was it epic exclusive i don't know i mean i'm trying to think of things that games can do wrong and you can pretty much just apply it to cyberpunk so yeah it just seemed that the, the creators of the witcher 3 who at one stage were the golden childs of gaming had just completely burned their entire legacy to the ground in one fell swoop uh, and yeah, so it seems a pretty odd thing to say that uh, it's going to eventually be seen as very good due to brand awareness and expect it to sell for years. It's right. So if someone was to come out to me now and say, hey, I've released a game. It was quite awful. 
and I think it's going to be good eventually, then I would say, okay, maybe that's not the best way of releasing your game. However, we live in a world where No Man's Sky happened. So yes, I believe that it is possible for a game to suffer a monumentally horrendous release and yet still manage to claw it back through updates, content delivery, uh, goodwill with your user base, uh, knuckling down and just doing some good hard work and delivering on promises rather than adding new features. Like, No Man's Sky did all that. There was a YouTube video. I can't remember who it was that did it. I think it might have been the Internet Historian. If you watch the Internet Historian's video on No Man's Sky, it is, it's nearly moving how good it is because... There was a section at the end where they were like, oh, what did, like, did he take the money and run? Did he, you know, uh, you know, complain to the press about being unfairly treated? And I'm heavily paraphrasing here, but like Sean Murray went, no, and got back to work, went back to work on Monday morning and wrote ideas on the whiteboard and made checklists and sent them around everybody and they all got to work. And there was about, I think, six months where we didn't hear from Sean Murray after the release of No Man's Sky because of just how awful it was. And then all of a sudden they came back and they were like, yeah, here's an update. And I remember the first update came out and the chorus of boos that had originally kind of silenced the wee bit just came back. It was like, boo, oh my God, I don't want Sky, why are you updating that it's trash? And then the next update came out and it was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's still trash. That update looks kind of cool, but yeah, the game's still awful. There's not much to do. And then there was another one and it was like, man, people are still playing this thing, but I mean, I, I'm still kind of bit by that first release, but this one looks pretty good. And eventually they kept doing that. And people now are like, man, No Man's Sky is great. And there's people streaming it. There's people loving it. The whole, it seems that, it seems that the fairy tale ending existed there. However, I think that the CD project uh, goal here for Cyberpunk is different for two reasons. One, they called their shot, which is a bit arrogant considering the position they're currently in. Uh, I mean, uh, no Man's Sky didn't turn around and come out and say yeah one day we're going to be great they just came out and said yeah we're going to gonna fix it we're going to go ahead in fact they didn't even say anything they just started releasing content updates and they fixed it so it was kind of like action spoke louder than words there so in this instance now we have Adam Kaczynski who came out who pretty much uh, not to talk about all the backstage stuff as well but the company itself not just for games games content reasons has also kind of fallen from grace so the, I don't think his words carry as much weight as Maybe he thinks it does at the moment when it comes to the cyberpunk brand. But the fact as well, the second point is that he mentioned that it's going to be seen as very good due to brand awareness. I don't mean to sound unfair here, but the cyberpunk brand is a bit of a meme as far as as far as I'm aware. It's still seen as a bit of a meme. Maybe, I don't know, maybe something's changed in, since the time I've seen it. Because I was... I Right, so my personal history with cyberpunk is that cyberpunk was coming out i was like yes it looks like fun and at the time uh me and uh I, as for anyone that knows my my other 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 main my main day job is that i edit videos for the spiffing brit on youtube and there's there's a little team of us now it's all good fun but uh then i think it was two it was me and spiff and then i think one other person three of us who was doing like channel management and stuff so i was like the only editor spiff was doing the content creation and it was all good fun and we were doing videos like every two or three days so like time was really limited because we were like fast like firing these things out and cyberpunk was a big release and i was thinking okay i'll wait until maybe because you know maybe i get a bit of a break maybe you know things calm down a bit and then i'll play some cyberpunk 
But I was still excited for a release because I was like, yes, we're going to make videos on this. It's going to be great fun. I'm going to feel like I'm kind of part of the hype of the launch of the game because, you know, if Cyberpunk, if we release a Cyberpunk video and it does really well, maybe it garners like a million odd views or something. I'd be like, yeah, it's going to feel like we're, I'm kind of part of like the, the groundswell of hype around this new game. And so uh, initially, uh, Spiff had done a live stream and that there's the whole idea was he would do a live stream on the day the game came out, pretty much the second the game released, and then I would grab the live stream files and I would edit it down and do like an, an, a video afterwards. Uh, not our usual way of making videos, but sometimes that's just like the best solution to, you know, sort of capturing all of like the key content kind of deliverables or whatever, if you want to say. It's kind of like the best like strategy for whenever a new game comes out to do it that way. So it was like, okay, let's do it that way. And... Uh, I was watching the live stream because, again, super excited about, like, you know, getting to work on Cyberpunk uh, videos uh, for a large channel. And it was just a disaster. Now, the thing is, is that this couldn't have worked out better, which is why I was really happy. Because the whole, for people that aren't uh, familiar with Spiff's channel, uh, Spiff's channel is based around video game exploits and, you know, playing games in unconventional ways, uh, you know item duplication infinite whatever you playing games not the way they're supposed to be played i think what it was a really popular video that i really enjoyed it was one of the first ones i've seen which was that he played prison simulator or it was a prison no it was a prison architect but instead of making a prison he turned it into like a forest for like a chopping down wood and making loads of money and never taking a single prisoner and yet still making like millions and millions and so like this type of unconventional gameplay is 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 the wheelhouse of space channel and so whenever i was watching it, i was like this is going to be so much better than the game doing well because if the game came out and the game did well and loads of people loved it and we played the game and i edited the video and it went out and it did well that that is that's a fantastic dream scenario absolutely nothing wrong with that but whenever the game came out and it was buggy and you know there was funny moments where like cars were driving through npcs and like just clipping right through them and the camera was going all wonky and i mean crashes were there and that was kind of you know dumb but you could edit those out and the balance of the game was ruined there was item duplication from day one there was infinite money from day one all these things i was just like oh my god this is gonna be such a fun time to work on videos for this game because it's kind of like it's kind of like you don't even have to go searching for the good stuff the good stuff is just like already there and the 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 choke point then isn't where like if you can find like fun like content for the channel or whatever that the the, ch the challenge then becomes getting it out fast enough because there's so much of it that it then becomes like we're the choke point like how fast we can work and now I, I'm not saying that like you know that's you know a, a typical experience for cyberpunk coming out. I understand that's an atypical kind of view on like a game coming out however I do feel because of the reception of those early cyberpunk videos of like the game being broke and all these other funny wee exploits and things that don't you know the game just kind of falling apart before our very eyes I feel like that is the brand awareness. I feel like that is the cyberpunk brand right now. And every so often I still... So, cyberpunk is in a weird space at the minute from from my perspective. And again, if, I, if, if I'm incorrect or if I'm only seeing things through a really small lens, get in touch, let me know, drop us a message, all the usual channels that I always plug. And I'm more than happy to continue the conversation on other episodes. However, the... 
the the cyberpunk brand at the moment is kind of not really relevant it's not really there whenever i'm looking at the game on uh or whenever i'm going through game and subreddits and i'm kind of flicking through my phone and doing my usual just sort of you know existing on the internet i see cyberpunk very rarely like i still see memes to do with skyrim i still see memes through with oblivion i still see you know funny gta things happening every now and then because these things have maintained for good or bad some semblance of relevancy but cyberpunk just hasn't done that anytime cyberpunk come like pops up now it's because of either a, a random mod or b because someone found something else and they want to kind of the comment section blows up for like a few hours and then it goes away because I think people are kind of vicariously looking to love that kind of, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, Sinnerschlosen. I think it's the, uh, that's the, the effect of being happy at like someone else's misery. And I think that like a lot of people kind of have that around cyberpunk where like people are happy whenever it started exploding. It was kind of like a, like it was kind of like a car crash. Like you couldn't look away. And I think some people really enjoyed, like, the community aspect of, like, shitting on Cyberpunk. And that became, like, a weird, like, communal version of Sinnerschlosen. And, uh, so I think that, like, now whenever Cyberpunk pops up, a lot of people are just kind of trying to recapture that kind of, like, community aspect. That's not a good, it's not a good brand, it's not a good place for your brand to be in. Where your brand has fallen on the irrelevancy and only becomes relevant whenever people want to hate on it again. So I don't see a path here. For Cyberpunk to, again, quote, eventually be seen as very good due to brand awareness. Because I don't, you would have to fix the brand first. Now, again, I I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to be, you know, super negative about it all. And I hope that they do well. I hope it's another No Man's Sky because I think another, another high profile example of a game releasing bad and then doing good is a double-edged sword. But people have bought that game. People deserve that game because they paid their money for it. So if it came out in the end where it was good, that would be the optimal outcome. However, I think that it... This might even be moving on to another completely different topic of conversation, but I don't think that it creates a really good... Uh, what's the word for it? I, it just... It doesn't, it doesn't make a good example of... Uh, for other game studios, they know that you can just churn out uh, chicken shit, and then hopefully turn it into chicken salad. It doesn't really, it shouldn't really work that way. Now, I'm not saying that all games have to be released perfect, and I'm definitely not one of these people that say that, like, hey, all the retro games are were perfect. Back in my day, we games were released bug-free and blah, 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 because there are some old games that have some pretty game-breaking bugs. There's some old games that, you know, had different versions released across their life cycles. There were some games that had to be recalled uh, and have new cartridges, cartridges sent out to people. You know, uh, nostalgia vision is a is a is a weird thing, and however, it does seem though that because of the fear of how difficult it was to replace or update games, it meant that the option of patching something or fixing something post release was like a nuclear option. It was like we got to make sure that if there are any bugs in this game, because you know no one's going to be perfect, or if or any of the little like bugs in the game are so obscure and so off the beaten track and so like you know inaccessible through any semblance of normal means that it's okay that you can still guarantee for the majority the vast majority of users a normal play experience that for me back then is what separates older game development mentalities from new ones because with the advent of easy updates it seems like 
games can just be released and update it whenever they want. And so because of successes like No Man's Sky, just to like talk about maybe the negative side of this, because of things like No Man's Sky, it means that whenever it uh whenever a game comes out and it's like it's it's awful blah blah then you know this this maybe this is what cyberpunk and maybe in in behind closed doors not to put words in mouth, but maybe behind closed doors it's a possibility that they're looking at no man's sky and being like we could do that too and again then that means that no man's sky's success is being used as an example for games they maybe be released and be like oh well it's not so bad we can just fix it now and then people will love us and forget about the bad stuff you know ultimately that's not the best way of doing it because consumers have paid money and they deserve to have a, a product that that works do you know what i mean so like uh whenever i talk about the idea that like bugs being so far off the beaten track that you know it's it makes no uh that 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 you can guarantee a good play experience for all new players or for the vast majority of new players that's not what cyberpunk did and again we're talking about brand awareness and this is how aware people are of this brand this is what that means when it comes to brand awareness is that you would drive down the street and your car would fall through the the road that's a typical play action do you know what i mean you would you would drive down the street and and the weird like i don't know what caused this but like the trees would like start to bend in the wind and like touch the road and it was an awful graphical glitch that's a normal gameplay action you would shoot an enemy who just would their health just wouldn't decrease they would just something would have went wrong in the ones and zeros and all of a sudden this this character was was you know immortal there there's npcs that were walking down the street that are bumping into each other and then a car drives through them and then they, they just clip it just clips right through them and none happens these are all typical play examples uh which unfortunately you know you can't use the argument of you know games or of these uh, you can't you can't have the safety of saying that like oh uh, you know we're gonna fix it later because unfortunately it's broken now and that is the brand awareness so I don't I don't see uh I, I don't see it being like I don't I don't know I don't personally at the moment I don't have a lot of faith that it's gonna be very good due to brand awareness part of me hopes that it doesn't happen because I want No Man's Sky to be seen as the exception to the rule in that game designers aren't using it as the archetype for their game but also i want to see it be true because people paid money for it and i want people to have the product that they paid for so there we are that's my goodness that's the that's the three little mini topics we have this week we have one quick little question at the end before we move on to that quick question at the end if you enjoyed this little slice of solo podcast from me this week then uh please Hit, uh, hit follow or join or whatever follow good button there is on the platform that you're listening on. Uh, and also uh, take a listen through all of our other podcasts where usually I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Mr. Daniel Ferry, where we chat back and forward about these type of topics. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's usually a lot more vibrant when there's two of us. So uh, yeah, it's nice. I must say though, it is nice this week to just get to sit and just ramble away to myself. However, it does feel kind of empty when I don't have Daniel, uh, you know, telling random stories about uh who knows what uh random stories would have popped up throughout this episode but anyways if you want to get uh, in touch with the podcast for any topics or for any questions or anything you can do so uh, through the anchor app if you go to anchor.fm slash one upcast and click on the little message button you can record a little voice message it comes straight through to us and we can include it in the podcast to talk about your topic or to answer your questions if you want to send us a regular message that's not voice based if you like little text based messages you can send us a pm or a direct message or a mention or whatever the people do on twitter 
You can reach me at Harry Atomic YT. You can reach Daniel at Fairman5000. Or you can reach the, the show at oneup underscore cast. That's O-N-E-U-P underscore cast on Twitter. Anyways, our uh, our resident questioner. You know, I'm going to start expecting this every week now. Just putting this out there because there have been so many coming in. Uh, Rambo on Twitter has asked us if, if I, or asked me, if I had to replace Daniel uh, for a week, who would be my dream replacement? Uh, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, it would be the most boring podcast on the planet. No, do you know what? It wouldn't. I've got two dream replacements. One would be Dead Understand, and one would be Dead Boring. The Dead Boring one would be Jonathan Blow, one of my favorite game designers. He made Braid and he made The Witness. Uh, it's no mistake that The Witness came up in this podcast when I was talking about good game design. Uh, and also, uh, I would probably say Phil Fish for two reasons. One, so I could ask him what he's up to. And two, because I know it would just be an absolute riot. Uh, don't agree with all of his views. In fact, don't agree with most of his views. But I actually think that that would be really good to sit and, and talk about uh, and like pick them apart. So that's probably a really boring answer to a really interesting question. But yeah, uh, and the last one is Fanta or Club. Come on, Fanta, 100% Fanta. Who wants bets? It's like, the way people talk about like, oh, like, you know, they're, you're drinking something that's got like wee bits on it. You would immediately go like, ugh. Or like if you eat like, I don't know, like lumpy spuds or something is like universally seen as a bad thing. Although I don't mind lumpy spuds. Uh, but, you know, I have no club. To me, it's just like lumpy juice. And I just, that kind of puts me off. So for me, it's just Fanta all the way. It, it, it's got that radioactive orange glow. The sugar just melts my teeth on the way past. It's exactly what I want from my bright orange sugar water. So good. Anyways, that's going to be, that's going to be it for this week's one-up cast. A little short one this week. However, uh, this is usually the half that I contribute. And then Daniel usually contributes a half. And that's what makes up the whole length. However... Uh, it was good fun sitting and kind of musing away in my little room to myself, chatting away about some things that I read on the internet this week about gaming. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, then uh, as I was saying before, please leave a little like or a little comment or a little rating or hit join or follow or subscribe on whatever platform that you're on. And uh, again, as I was saying, you can drop us a message through any of the other platforms that uh, we mentioned before. You can leave a voice message through the Anchor app uh, at anchor.fm slash oneupcast. Or you can reach us on Twitter, me at Harry Atomic YT, Daniel at Fairman5000, or the show at 1UP underscore cast uh, on Twitter. And yeah, that's going to be our show. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.